Hello and welcome to The Point of Everything. Today on the show is David Tapley, who fronts Tandem Felix, a Dublin-based band who have just released their second album, There's a New Sheriff in Town. I think they're one of the most assured acts in the country and you can hear that across the nine tracks that comprise the album. There's a real control and musicianship clearly evident across the record. Kira Byrne, reviewing the album for the Thin Air, writes, Unruly and unreliable narration guides the lyrical storytelling with a melodious sound weaving throughout the album, fighting to restore balance and stability. Danny Kilmartin, in Headstuff, reviewing the album, says, Overall, There's a New Sheriff in Town is a testament to its creator's bold, experimental and meticulous approach to songwriting and production alike. While washes of ethereal keys and sun-bleached melodies have long been weapons in Tandem's arsenal, here they have been subverted. It's a marked tonal shift and a marked progression from its predecessor. David Tapley has also been collaborating with other artists in recent years, doing production work on Neil Dexter's debut album, for example, and playing in his live band, and he's worked with Maya Sophia, Bad Hands, and the forthcoming debut solo album from former immediate member David Hederman, which I'm very excited to listen to. Per the press release for There's a New Sheriff in Town, the shape of Tandem Felix also evolved in that Tapley collaborated in a very new way by reaching out to musicians outside of Ireland that he really admired in BJ Cole, who played pedal steel on Elton John's Tiny Dancer, and Joseph Shabasan from Destroyer. We'll hear about that in our chat. The debut album by Tandem Felix is called Romcom, and it came out in 2019. If you just search for Tandem Felix in the TPOE podcast archive, you'll see a chat we had around then if you want a little bit more about how the band formed and stuff like that. Tandem Felix have some live dates coming up. They're in Collins in Cork this Friday, November 17th. Whelan's in Dublin on November 23rd and Limerick on November 25th. Go to tandemfelix.bandcamp.com to buy there's a new sheriff in town and make sure as well to check the video for the kitchen which we talk about during the chat it is hilarious and also my stomach did actually turn while i was watching it i won't spoil it but you should watch it maybe i don't i don't know maybe not too close to a meal or if you've got a full stomach on you okay, okay. coming up david tapley talks about seemingly being the pedal steel man on call of Irish music, how there's a new sheriff in town came to be, how and why he reached out to BJ Cole and Joseph Shabason, and we talked through the tracks that make up the record. Here is David Tapley, aka Tandem Felix, on the point of everything.
since we last talked about four years ago i think it seems like you've become the slide guitar man of choice the pedal steel guitar man of choice for artists around ireland i don't know like what the stats are are more acts using slide guitar now but how did this happen is it something that you only got into in the last four years playing pedal steel slide guitar no i would say my first interaction as a not just a, a listener and an appreciator of of the instrument i'd say it's probably over 10 years ago now like bob dylan records and country records that have well most country records will have the pedal seal as a sort of dominant instrument because it's so so beautiful and melancholic but uh my sort of actual interaction with it as a uh, player began i would say the best part of 10 years ago i would have i would have had one possibly even in the room in a case at the time on the last time we were we were speaking together pre-pandemic but um no, I, I think maybe since we've been been we've been speaking last is when I've been lending my hand to to other acts more so rather than just keeping it in my own music. But um, for a long time, I had to enlist help from from a pedal steel player across the pond named Bobby Lee. He was he was the person who I found online who uh, would help me with uh, my various queries about the the instrument and learning to play it but also he would record parts and send them across uh, for me to drop into our songs Bobby Lee actually since passed away and um, on the new Tandem VX record there's a little dedication to him on the inner sleeve because he was um, quite an important figure I guess in in my getting into that instrument and yeah it seems to be something that has been coming up coming up often on, on interviews and in conversation recently with regard to my music making i'm getting more of a reputation for doing that than than doing anything else which is probably good i I guess like you've always collaborated with other artists so you know what works and what you need to do with it so is it just them coming to you saying that oh i think the pedal steel might sound nice on this can you help out or do they know exactly what they want in their head the, the likes of people you would have collaborated with, I guess, are Saint Sister, Maya Sophia. You probably have a, have a whole list of them uh, that you could reel off. Yeah, it varies. I mean, I, I often, I, <laughs> I find it's actually the opposite. I get people who know exactly what they don't want from the pedal steel, and it tends to be, like, I, I tend to be told not to, um, not to make it sound too country, <laughs> uh, which which suits me down to the ground because I'm not much of a, I'm not much of a player really. Um, there's a couple of things I can do on it, but playing pure country licks and and, and all of that is not um not something that I'm too au fait with. So uh, it, I tend to get sort of vague descriptions of what people want, and I try to meet those expectations in some way. And then you know, there's a lot of fun things you can do with the instrument. It works very well with with sort of it, it takes to effects very well because it's so sort of. I don't know, such a languid sounding instrument and such a um, such an expressive instrument in its own way. I guess that maybe that's the opposite to languid. But uh, yeah, I guess depending on how you play it, it's versatile. It can work for pure country music, but it can also be used as a very sort of ambient tool, almost like a synthesized sound if you know how to know how to treat it right. What's so hard about playing it? Like, is it com- it's completely different to like learning how to play guitar, is it? Yeah, I'd say the only part of playing guitar that would be of any use to you is your right hand so your sort of finger picking hand but I actually neglected my right hand for a long time when it came to learning guitar 
it was you know when you start playing all you want to do is learn to play guitar solos and riffs and play really fast and stuff and you know you spend a lot of time learning guitar tabs and you know learning what notes to fret on the fingerboard and stuff but you don't spend a lot of time focusing on finger picking at least I didn't anyway um so that was something I started I I had to catch up on but the rest of the instrument it's like it's completely different to guitar in your in your left hand you've got like a like a metal a metal rod essentially that that frets the notes and both of your feet are used in your right foot is used for swelling a, a volume pedal your left foot is used for bending notes using the actual pedals where the the titular pedals of the pedal seal so they bend notes sort of like a um sort of pitch shifter or a whammy bar or whatever um but then you also use your knees <laughs> so th- there's knee levers either side of your of your two knees that you have to kind of sit into and depending on which way you move your body left or right or which knee you move your left knee or your right knee that also changes various structures of certain chords and stuff so yeah there's there's a lot to learn and a huge amount that I haven't even begun to unpack with it but yeah I'm kind of I'm teaching myself it's it's very difficult to get lessons I think I don't know there's many people in the country who play it and certainly few people in Dublin city that play it so um I do probably need professional help at this stage to help me um unlearn all of my uh bad habits but yeah starting to starting to see more people getting into it so hopefully some of the new and -and up-and-comers they'll actually get good at it and they can properly teach me so hopefully that's that's uh that's what i'll be doing in the future i don't think that you played on bridget may powers new latest album uh dream from the deep well but i think you played live with her did you in over in london did you play a few uk shows I certainly did. Um, We also played a show in Dublin and we'll be playing some more shows over the coming months, um, I believe. Uh, No, I I didn't get to play on the record. That that was the person who played on the record is like a genuine pedal steel player. So I do my best in, you know, uh, sort of a a, a rough facsimile of what's going on there. But yeah, nowhere nowhere near the prowess of... I'm actually not sure of the name of the person who played the pedal steel on the record originally, but it's... It's a beautiful, beautiful part, but um, yeah, she her her band is 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 a great fun project to be to be a part of. It's very relaxing. I played with her. I played with Neil Dexter at a show in Ireland Music Week, and it was very intense. And I was standing up and you know rocking out and all that sort of stuff. And then I had the way it worked was had worked out was that I was actually booked to play the Bridget May Power show up in Whelan's at the exact same time. So I had to run from Neil's show to Bridget's show, but it was actually very pleasant because I get to sit down and play a lot of moody organ and play the steel guitar and stuff for that set. So nice and relaxing compared to Neil's crazy <laughs> 80s, you know, um, circus that goes on on stage. <laughs> uh, do you enjoy playing with all of those different disparate acts as well it seems like something that you've uh done for as long as i've known you but it's not something that you're uh getting tired of and maybe <laughs> maybe you don't even admit that you're getting tired of it if you are no no i I certainly am not getting tired of it and i would admit if i was because i'm a, a truthful a truthful person but uh no it's it's um it's great i actually th- there's a part of me that prefers it more than actually playing tan felix shows i have to say something to do with maybe the pressure being off or 
I don't know. I prefer going to other people's birthdays more than I enjoy hosting my own birthday. You know what I mean? I don't know if you're in the same position with that, but sometimes when when you're the sort of center of gravity of a circle of people or a event or a moment or something, I, I find it very stressful. So I like I like turning up and you know clocking in and doing doing a job for for a band and then you know clocking off. Whereas with with the Tandem Felix stuff, I feel like it's it's a bit more a bit more of a responsibility than a sort of than a privilege or something. I don't know. Maybe it is a bit of both, but yeah, it's certainly certainly stressful. Well, let's uh, put the spotlight on you for the next little bit and talk about the new Tandem Felix album. There's a new sheriff in town. When did you start working on this album? So it was sort of a slow fade from the last record rom-com into this one um a couple of the songs were in progress at the time of rom-com one of them was actually even a uh, sort of a leftover track that i didn't want to throw on the proverbial pile i wanted it to be to be used for something so um we'll, we'll get into that later in the conversation i'm sure but uh yeah i'd say probably in and around 2017 2018 was was when these songs started taking shape in their infancy could you feel that there was a difference between the two albums like did you feel more confident or anything when you were working on it Uh, i knew i wanted to finish it quicker (laughs) but fate had other ideas why was it was it just like rom-com the debut album you've kind of got that weighing on your shoulders sort of a thing i don't know it's very difficult to to release some music and then feel like you've got any momentum left if you wait four years before your next album comes out but yeah unfortunately for me that wasn't a decision that was that I had any part of um due to the pandemic obviously but um yeah I think well going forward hopefully I'll be able to put my money where my mouth is and and have a, a third record out in the next year or two but we shall see hold me to that though I need I'm, I'm saying this now because I I need um what's the word when you tell people you're going to do something and accountability i need to be accountable for my my actions in in terms of releasing music at a at a prompt rate in in five Um, years we'll be talking about that third album and it'll be like oh you said you wanted to finish this quicker than the last album i don't know what happened (laughs) i just don't know what happened it got away from me yeah so as a result of that a lot a lot of this the recording of this record was done in various homes and bedrooms and you know my my small studio that i have in in uh, a certain part of town that i will will remain unnamed because i don't want to dox myself and all my <laughs> all my equipment that lives there yeah that was just a decision that was that was made by the fact that we couldn't gather a group of people together and, and work in a big studio but it i think that opportunity knocks in in chinese script uh opportunity is the same symbol as as crisis or the other way around should i say so um i think it the restrictions that were put on making this record has produced something that otherwise wouldn't have happened i think and as i think made this record have a, a very interesting sound so um i'm quite happy about that but yeah it's going to give me something to think about now when i'm moving on to the next project you say the lyrics are more jaded than on rom-com was that something that you specifically wanted for the album or was it something that you just like looking over the lyrics as a whole afterwards you're like oh i feel more jaded no it was it was a bit of an intentional sort of push 
to sort of write these narrations in more of a world-weary sort of tone. If anything, I've gotten less jaded and I've I've come to accept the, the finer things in life and the, the simpler things more so than when I guess I was making the last record. I'd say I was probably more jaded and grumpy old fool when I was in my mid to late 20s compared to the way I am now but uh no it, it it was sort of it was a reaction to the last record which I think the narrator and all those songs is kind of trying to crack jokes and it's it's funny stories and all this sort of stuff and you just get tired of that sort of stuff and you have to sing it in front of people not tired of the songs necessarily but wanting to have wanted to include something new in the in the repertoire so I, I wanted to sort of write these more sort of mood pieces and uh, lyrics that weren't so literal and that sort of thing I wanted to write I don't know I wanted to I wanted to bring an, an air of mystery I guess back to 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 lyrics and and a sort of a level of poetry that I kind of had abandoned with the last record not that it's not poetic and or not that any lyrics that anyone writes isn't considered poetry but it was certainly very literal and you know it was it was sort of one-to-one translations of 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 meaning for for each lyric so i wanted i wanted this to be a bit vaguer and a bit more up to the interpretation of the the listener just because there was kind of a rule i'd set for myself at the start of this and i I sort of like doing that i like having a bit of a what am i going to do for this record mission statement or something like that or a set of guidelines that i try to follow and uh i think i i think i stuck to them almost almost to the letter but then there's some some exceptions to the to the to the rules as there as there always should be great um before we go into the songs talk to me about the artwork it's distinctive again i love the artwork on romcom and this artwork is uh the exact same i think it's great is it the same artist it is not the same artist this painting was done by a friend of mine named fergal styles who I met up with a couple of months ago when I realised that one of the last jobs I needed to tick off the list for releasing an album was to get some artwork together. So I sent him the music and told him of, you know, the the sort of, he's a a very, very prolific um, artist based in Dublin. And he has one of the most beautiful, (laughs) one of the most beautiful Instagram grids you'll ever see in your life. And I I love looking at his, his work. So I kind of, I didn't really tell him what I wanted, but I told him, what I admired about his work you know I guess maybe that's maybe that's the same thing but um I sent him music and I I told him if he, if he can hear anything in the music that reminds him of his own work or inspires him in, in a certain way to to try and put that down on on paper and that's what he did he, he gave me some very very rough ideas um that he drafted up and we went ahead with one of them and it looks the way it does and um it, the graphic design part of it was done by um, Tana Felix family member Aina Brennan. So she uh, did all the sort of various graphic design parts. And one of the things that was kind of left up to interpretation was whether the artwork um, itself was going to be... Uh, it's hard to explain so whether it was going to be zoomed in or zoomed out. So what I was given by Fergo was a scan of the of the painting that he did on a you know piece of card that was kind of torn around the edges and you know the the sort of his intention was for what was on the card to be the artwork but when I saw the way that it looked 
in the scan with you know blank space around it and you could see the the tears on the on the piece of orange card i kind of wanted to include them and include the the surrounding piece so the the actual album artwork looks like a sort of it looks like an exhibit in a in a court case or it looks like a, a an artifact itself so that was something that uh was kind of a happy accident not nothing n- not an intentional sort of method of of creating artwork there by any, by any means but it was it was something that kind of came about nicely why is the album called there's a new sheriff in town i like phrases like that sort of um i mean you could probably google that and find that it's in 40 different movies from you know wild west films to just people using it as a sort of you know hey like them apples style sort of insult or something like that i don't know it's it's just I, I kind of there's something about like hollywood cliches that i that i really love and especially considering that like it's a vaguely sort of artistic alt-rock record and having such a bombastic masculine title like that i just think it's kind of funny so i like i like sort of flipping it on its head like that but uh yeah just it's it suited it was it was the title of one of the songs and i always thought i was I was never going to do that where I would have, you know, I, I never want to do like a self-titled album or a, a song that's an album that's named after one of one of the songs or something. But I just I just thought it fit really well. And I guess maybe with this, you know, the aforementioned pedal steel thing and, and country music sort of becoming more popular. Um, I guess maybe it's somewhat of a tongue in cheek statement of intent with this with this record that, you know, all of these, all of these newbies coming to the pedal steel game. Remember, you know, I've been, I've been John Law. I've been Johnny Law around this place for a long time. Uh, it's probably, it probably would be more appropriate to say there's an old chair from town. But look, we move on. <laughs> Let's talk through the songs track by track. on the button is the opening song you told Nyler nine that it's probably the song that i am happiest with that i have ever written did you know that at the time was it afterwards looking back on it you were like oh i am extremely proud of this song um like did you think it was special like during the recording of it 
No, I don't know. It's 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 more so, it's more so the recording of it together with the the written song itself. I'm very proud of how the song is in in its in its bare written essentials because it it does this walks this tightrope that I always try to walk with with sort of certain moods. I like conflicting moods or a sort of a blend of of, of certain things together. So it does have this strange chord structure which is in some mode that you know I'm not I'm not, not great on music theory by any means but it's not a, it's not a standard musical mode it's a song where the lyrics are kind of somewhere in between happy and angry and the the music is somewhere in between lo-fi and hi-fi the it, it's it's somewhere between really dense and confrontational but also kind of um vague and reverby and you know it's somewhere between big and small and somewhere between thin and wide and it, it just has this perfect like yin and yang to so many different elements of it which was never the intention I didn't set out to be like this is my magnum opus or anything like that it just everything sort of fell into place with this one really well it blends country music elements and also like synth- synthetic sort of more alternative elements really well uh, I think anyway yeah I don't know it's just it, sometimes sometimes you dance around songs for a little bit trying to figure out what does this need what, what what's missing and this one this was one that literally from from day one when I wrote it I never felt like it needed anything else but anything else I did add to it just made it better it, it was just one of the oddly one of the easier songs that I've ever assembled and I think that's maybe why I'm so proud of it it's just it felt very natural to do everything and when I listen back to it and the idea that a song that is as kind of strange as that one is and the idea of even describing that as natural I think is, is sort of why I'm so proud of it because I think that's it's probably the best sort of interpretation of my personality in a song that I've that I've ever gotten so yeah I think that's why I'm why I'm happy with it it's interesting because I would say that a, a lot of the songs on this album are quite dense a lot going on in them you know the closer Mm. that you listen to them it's like oh there's this sound there's this sound and this sound going on and so when you talk about that track like that that you're so proud of it and that everything you added just seemed to work on it I I was thinking did you spend ages on it before you eventually became like happy with it but it sounds like it was actually you know pretty easy process one that maybe you didn't need to spend that much time on it was probably one of the songs that was finished first I think, or at least it got to that sort of like, okay, this is 95% done a long, long time before the record was finished. And I never really needed to go back to it. While we were working on all the other songs and, you know, all these songs that were work in progress, version 10, version 11, version 12, kept going, kept getting closer and closer to a finished thing. Finger on the button was always just sitting there sort of waiting for maybe a last minute polish, but it never, it never was crying out for we really, really need to re-record this piano sound or we really need to add some drums on this or it was always just sitting there sort of ready to go at a moment's notice. And uh, yeah, just just felt felt easy, I think, compared to some of the other songs that were a bit belaboured and <laughs> were tough to sort of put the finishing touches on, but you can't win them all. Features BJ Cole on Pedal Steel? Yes. How did that come about? So... During the pandemic, I sort of had heard from various musicians that, you know, 
session work was drying up and gigs were cancelled and all that sort of stuff. So there was a couple of people that I were I I thought it was a good opportunity to sort of reach out to some session musicians that mightn't otherwise have the time to record on, you know, a humble humble band from Dublin's uh second record that <laughs> pretty much no one is gonna to listen to. But I thought it was it was a good opportunity to try and capitalise on that and exploit these people for their for their labour. Um, so I sent him an email and he said he'd do it. I was chuffed that he said he would do it because he's recorded, like, listener, take a look at the Wikipedia page for BJ Cole. It is absolutely astounding when you look at the stuff he's worked on. Or better yet, go into, go into Discogs.com and have a look at the stuff that he's recorded on because it's just insane. He's been playing pedal steel since the 60s, I think, and... Like, he played the pedal seal on Tiny Dancer and, you know, various other Elton John tunes and he's played with R.E.M. and, yeah, loads of people. That would blow your head off to, to read what he's done. Yeah, he, he was he was willing to do it and he actually played pedal seal on another track on the record because I was so happy with how the first one turned out. So it was a no-brainer, really. Did you get to talk to him about it, like who he's worked with and how he plays or was it just like a work uh, transaction? It was fairly transactional. I sent him I sent him the song. He asked me what mode it was in. I told him I didn't know, but I knew it was probably in F sharp, which I think was actually completely incorrect. So he I, I was speaking to him recently about, you know, sending him posting him over a record. He lives in I think he lives in London somewhere. Um and he replied saying, Oh yeah, it's great to see this is finally coming out. I remember working on that and having a very difficult time trying to make that work harmonically so um yeah i think i probably sent him up the wrong path with whatever um musical instruction i gave him but yeah i'm I'm, like i say i'm not very good at the old music theory but we got there in the end uh so uh, yeah i need to thanks for reminding me on i need to send him a record in the post is there's a new sheriff in town the title track it starts on piano another one or two songs on the uh album started on piano is that you playing and i presume that your preferred instrument would be guitar rather than Mm -hmm. piano that you would start writing on that one was written on a 
Krumar string synth, which was an, an old 70s, when they, when they decided that synthesizers were good enough to replace orchestras in pop songs, this, there were various sort of attempts at trying to make this make, make synthesis do what an orchestra couldn't do. Um, and, you know, they probably thought it sounded great in the early 70s, but, uh, you know, l- listening back to it doesn't really sound much like a, like a, um, a string ensemble. But, you know, that sort of, I guess, Gary Newman sort of sound, that, that's, that's what that, that instrument does. So um, I, have, I have a keyboard that imitates that sound fairly well. And I was messing around with it, and that's where that song came from. Then I translated it onto piano and was quite pleasantly surprised that the, the same sort of musical phrase worked really well on the piano and it just sort of took shape like that so I think it is me playing it on the recording although that was the one song where we recorded that in a studio on like the 9th of March 2020 like literally you know it's at a week a week before Paddy's Day a week and a day before Paddy's Day parade was cancelled or whatever so yeah it was it was really pandemic eve and that was the last time I was in a room with a bunch of musicians for months so I actually can't remember if it was me that played the piano part for that or if it was Dan Fitzpatrick of Bad Hands who also plays keyboards on various Ten Felix songs and is also in the live band. So if it wasn't me who played it in the studio, it was it, it took shape on the piano in the writing phase. But uh, yeah, that was, that was the last song we got to kind of do before we had to take up a breather for, for the pandemic. I guess this is a song where I can hear you feeling jaded lyrically. I guess, I don't know, is it the first time on the album? Is is that what you were going for? This was a song where I kind of... I wanted to sort of write around an idea of a sort of biographical, autobiographical piece. I, I kind of wanted to put in some certain aspects of of a rough time in my life, but get some of the details kind of wrong. Maybe to, I don't know, to throw the listener off the scent or to just clarify that it is a narrator and it's not actually autobiographical but it, but it, it could be interpreted in such a way like the chorus line 15 years there's no there's no relevance to the number 15 or the time period of 15 years in my life at all but it could be interpreted that way if if you were to you know if you were to tr- try and try and put some meaning to it so I, I liked that sort of carrot dangling or sleight of hand or something that that I was I was trying to do so and I guess yeah it was it, it because I was writing in this sort of in this sort of way I guess maybe it came out a bit more jaded and a bit a bit more weary than than previous songs have sounded but it's a fun character attribute or something to write through because whereas previously I needed songs to have a beginning middle and end and take the listener on a storytelling journey when you kind of when you when you write with with a mood in mind you can kind of just you can be more poetic and you you don't have to you don't have to tell the truth so much because you're wearing up the mask of a particular character that you're trying to be or something so it was it was a fun experiment to to do that and i guess in this instance with this record they all all of the characters that were being portrayed on this record all turned out to be miserable gits so <laughs> we'll have to see about that next time around uh track three is called sick which you say is not about covid 
you promise it's not about covid yes i have i have the receipts for that there's um there's actually a tweet from 2019 where i i put up a a video screen recording of of that a, a riff that i had written and i was really really sick at the time i get like i get sick like twice a year i'd say and have the worst um flu man man flu or whatever you want to call it and i i'm bad sinuses and all this sort of stuff but i'm yeah was like a sniffling idiot that day but i wrote this <laughs> i wrote this really fun guitar riff but was coughing and spluttering while playing it so i did put up a recording of it i think october 2019 or something and that became sick um so it, it, it the reason it was called sick and the lyrics were about being sick was because i was sick in 2019 so um i had considered changing the lyrics because i was kind of afraid people were going to think it was like oh this is the tana felix covid tune but uh i just thought it would be okay to leave it that way because it's not and like i guess like the previous track it's it's fun to sort of have this misdirection and for people to think it's about that but it literally just is about having common cold and eating chicken soup and putting your feet up and watching netflix or whatever whatever way you get through the day flat seven up and such but uh should have put flat seven up in the lyrics somewhere but it'd be difficult to rhyme that rhyming um, structure for that one it features a great but kind of simple sounding guitar solo is that when you're happiest just like absolutely tearing it up on the guitar <laughs> i think so yeah there was a lot of there was a lot of fun riffing on this record lots of like heavy distortion but turned down quite quietly and or an amp a, a really really small amp turned up to its max all that sort of stuff i i, I kind of like how small guitar amps but with a big sound I, I like how they sound like a little dog barking or something like that so yeah there's a good there's a few moments of that uh, across the record that i'm glad you i'm glad you picked up on that one yeah, that that in, in in sick is particularly fun to play Track four is called The Kitchen. You just released a video of it. I watched it this morning. It looked like it was a lot of fun to make that video. It certainly was. I unfortunately wasn't around. I was in, I was in America at the time uh, on, on holidays when the sort of dinner scene was happening. So I was only getting photos sent to me via WhatsApp of all this disgusting food styling that was done. Which looks like it was absolutely disgusting, mm. but I hope it was eaten because I hate food waste. Um, and then my this, my parts where I'm the sort of the Jeremy Allen White uh, 
Carmen Barzano type figure in the in the kitchen playing my shredding on my axe. That was all done at a later point when uh, when everyone had gone home. So um, it was good fun, and I'm I'm happy with how it turned out. We were kind of going for somewhat of a faulty towers meets some sort of goosebumps episode somewhere in the middle there. So I think we I think we got it, and it was great also to be able to uh, feature. Dublin's greatest pub, the Lord Edward, in, in the music video as well, because, you know, I, d- I do need to stop telling people about the Lord Edward, because there's there's more and more tourists going there every day, because I try to ward people away from going to Temple Bar, but with the influx of tourists, the tourist numbers doubling over the past year, I need to actually stop telling people about the good pubs and make sure they all go to the terrible ones in, in Temple Bar. Message of the Afternoon is the fifth track. Sounds very Americana. Was it always like that or did it go through a lot of uh, changes? Can you remember? That was a song that was written in December 2020. Uh, And I know this because it was when I turned 30, a bunch of my friends all chipped in together and bought me a banjo. I'd been looking looking at banjos online for a long time. And uh, yeah, a, a, a large group of people too many to name on this podcast all chipped in 25 quid each or whatever and bought me a really really nice banjo um somewhere in town and i wanted to sort of commemorate that uh, beautiful act by writing a song on the banjo so it was message of the afternoon was originally called the lonesome banjo blues and you know when you start off a song with that sort of title it's going to go down some some americana roots yeah a lot of the banjo ended up staying in which i'm pretty happy with because I had never played the banjo before getting one from, from all my mates, but uh, yeah, so that's the kind of, from, from square one, it was, it was pretty Americana seasoned, so we followed, the, followed that road where it led us. I feel like the banjo is another one where the pick the picking action is like really important and that like the, it's, it's, all, it's almost all about speed. Well, yeah, that that sort of bluegrass banjo, get you know, getaway music or whatever, yeah. the, the, the deliverance type vibe. Yeah, I think people will often use, and the same with pedal steel, will use, um, do you ever see people with those like finger picks, like plastic sort of, um, almost like thimbles on their finger that they'll, they'll use to, to pick the strings? That's like elite tier god mode pedal steel banjo playing, but I, I can't do that. But what I did do... The listeners won't be able to see this, but I stopped biting my fingernails during COVID because of wanting to get better at the banjo and play more pedal steel. So I have to keep one hand, my right hand. I have to kind of keep a good bit of white on those fingernails. But these these guys, I have to keep the left hand here. I have to keep quite uh, quite neat because otherwise, if you're playing on the neck of a guitar, the fingernail will scrape against the wood, and it's one of the most awful feelings. Like literally, not nails on a chalkboard, nails on a fretboard. It's disgusting. But yeah, so I have one one long finger, fingernail hand, and one short, which is kind of weird, but good for good for cracking on tables like that. And how is your banjo playing? Not great. I got up to a point where I'm I'm able to play that song anyway. That's for sure. <laughs> I also got a book of of banjo licks, 
that um, I, I have told myself I need to sit down and, and start start learning some licks from. But uh, yeah, that's maybe that's my New Year's resolution. You know, eat better, go on more jogs, and play more banjo. Uh, tell me about like the Tandem Felix band. Maybe is hmm. it still a band? Is it mainly just you now? It's kind of a mixture of both. Like the recorded stuff, I've always sort of described it as the Tandem Felix recording project is literally whoever's around. You know, so a lot of the instrumentation I had to do myself over COVID because of you know, social distancing and not having the ability to have people over and all that sort of stuff to record at home. So that was just pretty much a needs-must situation. And yeah, that was why it was a good opportunity to try and get people involved uh, via email and stuff like that. But the uh, the live band is, is ever-changing, sort of depending on, again, whoever's in their neighbourhood for any particular run of, of gigs. So we're actually going to play next couple of shows we're going to play as a sort of a smaller four-piece band um i think the last set of shows we were a six a six piece or maybe a seven piece no i think we were a six piece but uh yeah i wanted to see what these i think these set of songs will work very well as sort of leaner meaner sort of more rock outfit than a, than a sort of a big expansive band like we were the last time so stay tuned for that it's interesting that you can kind of keep changing it as as needs must almost needs must and sound must. Yeah, it's not it's not so much needs must this time around. It's possible that that will change in the new year, but just for these first couple of shows because we're the first they're the first shows that we've played in in four years since since the pandemic. That it was just it worked out easier to have a small kind of concentrated group of musicians working on these tunes rather than. You know, par- partly scheduling, partly it would be interesting to try and make it small and 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 lean and mean. But uh, yeah, well, it, that that's I'll never I'll never stick to any one configuration for too long. There's there's always room. There's always always more auditions to be had. <laughs> You're great for song titles. The sixth track is called "I Don't Feel Welcome When You Bring Me to Your House," which features a quite startling opening lyric. I'm not interested in your songs. How tongue-in-cheek is this? Is there a real experience buried underneath there as well, or is it a funny song to you? That so that was one of the ones that that, that was the song that was kind of a leftover from rom-com. I think I think it sticks out a bit of, like a bit of a sore thumb because it is very heavy on the sort of lyrical storytelling, and you know it's it's a sort of a joke song almost. But uh, it was always one that was very fun to play if I was doing a solo show I could bust that one out and people would laugh at how salty it gotten but uh yeah it's it, it, it's it's just a bit of fun I guess but maybe there is some some real life experiences somewhere in there but there's no particular uh person uh, one person I'm talking about I guess is it nice when songs like that hang around that you're like just thinking oh there is something there if I can just figure it out 
Yeah, yes and no. I felt I felt like I had a responsibility to this song, you know. Like it was a like it was a I don't know, a child or something that I didn't I didn't want to leave behind. No no man left behind sort of thing. I, I kind of felt it was my duty to find a place for that song on this record and by hook or by crook I I got it in there, but yeah. It it was it was very last minute cut off rom com, so it, it made it on this record with with a couple of a couple of new um, pieces of instrumentation to sort of bring it into the world of this record. But uh, yeah, I felt I felt a responsibility to it more than more than it, it sort of being like a. It's nice to have this in the back pocket. It was sort of more like I need to get this out of my <laughs> back pocket and and slam it down on the table. So yeah, we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully it'll be it'll be easy as easy as that from now on. But uh, yeah, we shall see. Track seven is another great title. Watching TV for the hell of it, and it's another one of those songs which has a lot going on. It starts on piano, a bit of brass in there. I think there's a bit of flute in there uh, yeah, as well. Kinda. <laughs> it's 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 what's known as an EWI, an electronic wind instrument. So that's um, that's uh, a musician from Canada by the name of. Joseph Shabison, who plays with the band Destroyer and also with War on Drugs from time to time in the studio, I believe, um, amongst various other bands. But uh, he was another person I contacted, given that I'm a big Destroyer fan. The mood of the song was going down as sort of a, a little bit of a 80s, weird Blade Runner Evangelist sort of area. And I thought that getting some some electronic uh, wind instrument on this record that's the the instrument that sounds like the flute i guess it's sort of like supposed to sound like a flute but it also sounds real fake and then he also dropped some some saxophone on it as well without even needing me to describe to him what i wanted he just dropped this like absolutely beautiful moody 80s saxophone smoky saxophone solo that yeah i i couldn't resist but put it in the song so when there are so many bits going on did you find it hard almost fitting them all together on this track yeah, you do have to you do have to leave a lot of stuff on the cutting room floor, I guess, if he you know, he sent along multiple takes of saxophone and multiple takes of this electronic winds instrument. So you have to pick your your points to, to for it to shine and then also you need to keep it sparse enough that when it when these instruments do come in they are kind of you know, the shock of the new really sort of takes the listener somewhere else rather than just having it you know, that's 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 the whole process. That's 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 really everything that I do in the studio is record way more than I need to do and then edit. Like it's, I think Terence Malick does the t- same thing when he's making films is that he shoots like hours and hours and hours and days and weeks of footage. And then the actual film, the magic of the filmmaking happens in the sort of editing process. You don't find it daunting when you've got all of that stuff in front of you. No, you it's really it. fun. Yeah? It's really fun. Cause the more you record, the more you forget and so you can go back to stuff after a week of of editing, you know, working on editing drums or picking different vocal takes. And then you go, oh, I completely forgot I recorded this organ part. And then you go and listen to all this mad organ stuff that I've just completely forgotten about. And it never fails to brighten my day when I hear an organ part that I've completely forgotten about. Especially because a, a lot of the instrumentation is me and I feel like I'm sort of limited with so many instruments because I kind of, because I play so many different things, I've never really mastered any one instrument so it's nice that if i hear something that i surprise myself with it it makes me feel like it wasn't me playing it so 
I kind of need I need that myself to be able to listen to the music. If I have if it has too too much of my thumbprint on it, it gets a little a little cringe to hear. But once I've recorded enough that I've forgotten what I've done, <laughs> maybe I don't know. Is that like uh, like Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind or something like that? Just cram so much information in there that it pushes other stuff out, and and then I can enjoy it for real. The name of the game is the penultimate track. It sounds like quite a personal song, is it? Yeah, again, there's a, a, a personality on it, but I guess a lot of it is, is a sort of the, the character of the song. I kind of... I did want to write a song about sort of thinking back over some... You know, the, the narrator sort of thinking back over their life and having sort of regrets of... Like, I always maintain that I think I was at my coolest when I was, like, eight years old or something, so I wanted to put... I wanted that to be the sort of... the, the featured... the featured mood on the... on the uh, on the record, so it was... on the on the, the song, should I say, so... I think a lot of the, the narrator is sort of talking, elaborating on that sort of idea about, you know, back in the day, when I was just... when I was just a little boy, all the fun stuff I used to get up to, and how now it's, you know... It's just a, uh, you're just sort of in, in this rat race or you're just in this sort of mode of, of always trying to cope with whatever boring crap that would have bored your eight-year-old self to death with. Whereas you could be, you know, skateboarding or playing football for 12 hours a day. Like, go to the shops and eat 20 pounds worth of sweets and, you know, buy fireworks and all that stuff I don't do anymore. Except for, well, maybe I'll buy some fireworks this year, we'll see. But, uh... Yeah. 20 pounds worth of sweets I know right? that's a lot yeah. of sweets that's a lot of sweets it was too much sweets I think the name of the game and the final track The Losing Streak are the longest Tandem Felix songs as well clocking in oh, well. clocking in at six and a half minutes and seven and a half minutes just from my quick kind of research anyway that's not something that you were thinking about uh, running time of songs it was like whatever the song needs that's what you give it Maybe the losing streak, uh, and also where it is on the album. I, li- I like, I like albums that finish with a sort of a long epic. So I, th- I guess that was intentional. The name of the game, that that feels like a three-minute, snappy three-minute song in my head. But uh, I guess yeah. What did you say? Six and a half minutes. That's what it. That's what it says that's anyway. Too long. Yeah. I sh- okay. I should have spent more time editing that <laughs> one down. We shall see. I always think that there's a confidence though about long songs. That that's when a band knows what they are what they want the sound to be like and is that how you feel about this album that you were more confident than you were on rom-com as than you were like five or ten years ago when you're maybe figuring out what tandem felix was i certainly had a sort of a plan to have less songs but longer songs but i was sort of more thinking of like a couple of five minute long songs and that'll eat up some time and then you know you can have eight or nine tracks on an album rather than a... I don't know what there was on the first album. Is that ten songs maybe? But sometimes I know myself and I just look at a track listing and see a short number of songs but with long run times. It does It does say something. You're right. It does sort of say something about the band to you. But I guess maybe that, that's, that was more a performative confidence that I was doing this time around. I feel like a lot of bands probably do that by becoming confident. <laughs> Whereas I was like, I'm going to have longer songs and less of them. So it was, it was, yeah, everything I, everything I do in that sort of department is is studied and, um, 
is 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 planned it's it's it didn't probably didn't come so naturally but uh yeah i don't know what that says really about about the nature of of the record as a whole but i i i was happy to end it with a big long repetitive i guess depressing ballad that that, that was something that it felt right with with that song was was to be the closing of the of the album that's what i wanted to ask you about that closing line that you repeat at the end for maybe even a couple of minutes everything just stays the same why did you want to end on on that note just complete that sense of jadedness maybe yeah i also there's something i like about there's a word i always forget what it is but basically it means word painting it's where you it's where you use lyrics to describe what's going on in the music you know like in really cheesy example you know the way sometimes when a band has a song with the lyric and the final word of the line is stop and then the whole band stops kind of wanted to do something like that where i just repeated everything just stays the same and that's exactly what happens the song just stays in the same mode <laughs> and it was a fun idea see how long i could pull it off for without uh without it getting boring and i think i d- almost to to like a, a Stuart Lee level of <laughs> trying to try to dial it in you know the crowd will start laughing and then they'll get a bit bored of it and then they'll start laughing again a second time and that's how you know you're reaching the end of the song but yeah here yes, I here I am thinking like oh what does it mean like is he okay everything just stays the same oh man <laughs> and here you are just saying no no it's a bit of a joke it's a bit of a joke, yeah. It, I guess I'm still. I guess I, on the last record there was there was literal jokes, and now there's sort of more metatextual jokes or something like that. I don't know. I'm oh, never not joking. Looking at the album as a whole, if you say that the opening track on the album "Finger on the Button" is the happiest that you are with a song, how about this album as a whole? Do you, does it feel? I don't know. Does it feel different than the first one when you finished that one? Yeah um no i i felt equally as proud of the two of them when when they were done and equally as relieved when they were finished and got people to listen to them and they were out in the world and they belonged to other people and all that sort of stuff maybe a slightly more relief this time around because it was done sort of a bit more i think with the first record i had sent it to a lot of people while it was a work in progress because i was so happy with how it was coming along and i was I was really sort of excited by it. Whereas this one, not that I wasn't excited, but I kept it a bit more secret. I, I kind of almost wanted people not to think I was working on anything so that one day I could just say, hey, during COVID, I was working on this album and now it's done and it's coming out. So that felt like an ace up my sleeve the whole time I was working on it. So I was maybe a little bit more excited because it was less inevitable or something. And, you know, there's something about releasing your first album, which is which is great and all, but releasing a second album is like, Okay, I'm here to stay. I'm doing it again. Maybe it'll get maybe it'll get better each time, more defiant and more more victorious that you know, come back for the third album we're going to be like, you know, I'm still here. Still doing it. You you thought I was dead. You should have killed me when you had the chance. Mentioning that third album, it sounds like you're already making plans for it. I don't know how far along you are, but can you already see a change in the sound? Is there more banjo, more pedal steel? I don't know. I have to think. I've I have some ideas and some, like I say, some some rules I'm going to set for myself. But uh, we shall see. I don't I haven't thought about it too much. I have my my studio that I work out of. I've extremely been extremely neglectful of this year, and I need to get back down there and figure out if I can remember how everything works. But uh, yeah, I'm behind on that one. So I'm already. It's already yeah looking like it's going to be another five years before it's out. But we shall see. 
Well, look, we have plenty of time anyway to uh, enjoy and savour. Uh, there's a new sheriff in town. Congrats on the album and thanks for chatting through it today. Thank you for having me on once again. Just call it quits.